This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Invest Talk. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. And before we get started, I just wanted to mention briefly that today is pretty important American American history in American history. People of certain age, like myself, might remember where they were when the news, I was just a kid, when the news about the assassination of President Kennedy that came over radio and TV. There was no smartphones, no internet, no social media back then. It was either TV or radio is where you heard it. It was November 22nd, 1963. 59 years ago today, I was a kid, but I do remember it. remember being at school when that happened. Elementary school, but school. The Dow Jones Industrial had closed at 732, 732.65 the previous day and hit a high of 739 earlier that Friday. But it quickly plunged to 710 before trading was halted at 2.07 p.m. Eastern Time. So, of course, there's been many changes since that time in our society and the stock market. And, of course, you know, 700 points is pretty low compared to what it is today. But that was history. Well, Thanksgiving is only a couple of days away, everybody. And it might be tempting to pretend the market today is just like it was last year at this time. But that can be pretty dangerous. Market dynamics are constantly changing. You need to pay attention and react to the one to the real-time changes that we're seeing. If not, your portfolio is improperly balanced. If not, it's got to be optimized. you really got to take a look at it. You don't have to make changes every day. I'm not even talking about every week or even every month. you just got to be aware of the changes that you might need to make based on what's going on in the marketplace and with your individual portfolio and how much risk you're willing to take and wanting to take. So just just. Just be aware and know what's happening with your money. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm here today on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy and all the decisions you need to make. In fact, I look forward to doing this InvestTalk podcast two, three times a week with Justin. Justin Klein is the other, is my partner. He does it the rest of the time. And the phone number, it is a call-in show, and the phone number never changes. You can call in any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Its number is 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T, 888-99-CHART. And, of course, I've got material to go over like I do every time. Rising interest rates have pushed down bond prices. They've done that this year because the Fed's been pushing up rates. Higher interest rates push down the value of the bonds in your portfolio or in a mutual fund or whoever's holding the bonds in their portfolios. So, going to be my focus point. Do rising interest rates make a bond ladder ETF more appealing? Time per minute, I'll also get into a couple other things. There was no data out. There's no uh, economic data out so far Monday, Tuesday, so that's not out there. Dividend uh, um 
divide, uh, you know, we've we got to talk about what's going to happen at the election. The election, I don't want to get into politics. I'm, that's why I'm hesitating. I don't like getting into politics. But when a Congress has a, has a divide, is divided like it is now with Republicans and Democrats, markets react a certain way. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay, sometimes in, during the show, I want to discuss that, that division and what does it mean for us investors. Okay, and there's a, I got the latest survey on retired persons and what they have saved. The age group between 65 and 74 and those people over 75, 75 and up, I should say. So I want to talk about that. And excess savings from the COVID spending spree and giving away free money and stuff is done. It's over. So what is that going to mean for the economy and the stock market? doesn't mean anything. So those are things I want to get to if we can. I think those are things that most people want to talk about or see. So we're, we're going to get to those things. I promise you that. Um, time permitting, I'm also going to talk about Something that you know might mean more more meaningful you before the end of the year, and that's tax planning. If we can get to that, I'll talk about it. But tax planning is you know something you can do stuff about it. We're late November, so you got the rest of November and into December to make decisions, and it's kind of important. The Dow today was up 397 points. A couple of up days, up 1.1 percent. S&P up 53.64. And NASDAQ up 149 or 150 points. That's a 1.3% for both the S&P and NASDAQ. So we had a pretty good day on the marketplace. Okay. Um, and I, and, you know, there's, there's not a lot of uh, information coming out. There's no economic data, so that didn't push it. So what's moving the markets? Hmm? It is a good time of the year. This time of the year is when markets usually rally. You know, um, in November, December are two, two of the best months of the year. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Just a routine, you know, up market. It's not a big, and, and the market's down for the year. We're still not even where we were or close to where we were when we started the year. So that's not happening. But just be aware of that. So... That's what we're going to get to. But while we're here, why don't we go ahead and take our first call? Let's talk to uh, Roger in the Bay Area. Hi, Roger. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Uh, nice, nice talking to you. Uh, long you. time listener of the show. I appreciate everything that you guys do for the listeners. Thank you. So appreciate. I have a question regarding uh, a regional uh, bank. The, okay. uh, the bank is Regions Financial, ticker okay. symbol RF. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to add a, a regional bank to my portfolio, and I was looking up at this uh, company. The numbers look good to me. wanted to see what's your take on it. Recent almost 15% rise from the lows in October. Mm-hmm. wanted to know if uh, this is the right time to, uh, to dive into it or uh, give it some time to settle down. wanted to know what your take on it. Okay. It's a pretty good bank. Regions Financial Corp., symbol is RF as in Frank, holding company for Regions Bank operating through 1,302 offices in 15 states in the South and Midwest. Um, 
they announced uh, in April that they're going to buy back $2.5 billion worth of their common stock. It's a $21 billion company. So that's that's about 10% or more. That's pretty good. Um, they make money, have always made money for many years, and their earnings have gone up pretty steadily. They're going to make two thirty one this year per share, $2.31. Next year, $2.49, and it's a $22 stock. That means it's under 10 PE. Um, the range is 5 to 20 on the PE from the last five years. But I think that's a pretty good price. Return equity is very good at 14%. Yield is 3.5%. That's pretty darn, pretty, gone, pretty good darn dividend yield, in my opinion, 3.5%. They don't have a ton of debt. Uh, management owns 1%. Mutual funds are slowly buying it over the last year, and recent quarters, their sales have been going up. So I kind of like it. Now, is this the proper price? Should you buy it here? Well, it seems like it's stuck in a range between 18 and 25, 26, and it's at 22.66. So it's kind of right in the middle of that range it's in. But I, I think I think this is a good place to buy it. I mean, you've got to be patient. Um, just be happy with a dividend until you know it rise. You could see if it pulls back to the 18, 1850, $18 and 1850 range and be a buyer there. So maybe put on half a position and then wait for a better buying opportunity. You might not get it, but I might that might be a good decision to make. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Roger. Thank you. We're headed into a break. Elon from San Jose, hang on, you'll be next. Everyone else, I welcome your financial investment questions now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. You just call 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience, 24-7 rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 888 chart chart 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. Let's go to Elon in San Jose. Hi, Elon. Hi. Uh, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I got a question about the stock CLR. Mm-hmm. Okay, digital uh, realty. I'm looking to buy it. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm looking to buy it, and uh, it pays a good dividend. Uh, I want your input on it. Is it a good price to buy, or should I wait? Okay, let's take a look. So this is a REIT, a real estate investment trust that owns and acquires, uh, repositions and manages technology-related real estate in the United States, Europe, and Asia. So it's a real estate vice, technology-related. So they probably might buy, you know, those those, uh, server farms that have big buildings with internet computers all throughout the building. It could buy anything technology-related. Um, buildings that you know are, are specially built for tech companies, that kind of thing. They pay a four and a half percent dividend, which is pretty nice. It's one hundred nine dollars stock. They make they're going to make six dollars and thirty one cents this year, six dollars and fifty one cents next next year. So that gives you a P of what around seventeen or so. And the year, the five-year range is thirteen to twenty-seven, so it's kind of near the bottom. Return on equity is a little low at ten percent. I wish it was higher, but cash flow is eleven dollars and sixty-two cents a share. That's very good. The problem with the REITs is interest rates are rising. Okay, so when interest rates rise, their costs to expand goes up because they're putting on, they're buying real estate, right, and they're financing it. And, you know, they got to work that into their cost structure when interest rates are rising. So that's why, you know, it probably fell. It was around 175 not that long ago into the, the beginning of the year. And today it's at 109 So that's why it fell because interest rates are rising. But it might be done. I think it's a good time to think about picking this up because interest rates are still rising, but everybody knows that, and so maybe that is already built into the price. And it did hit a bottom. I mean, I mean, it was a low of $85 a couple, three months ago, and now it's 109 So it's coming off that bottom, and that looks like a pretty strong bottom. So um, I like the 4.5% yield. It's growing slowly. I, I think it's a pretty good stock, not too much debt. Uh, management owns one percent. Mutual funds are slowly buying because you know this is an area which makes it tough. But if you're patient, and you like and you like to live with a four and a half percent. I'm sure to I'm sure to go back up. Just got to be patient. DLR is a symbol, everybody. Thanks, Elon. Appreciate it. So let's keep moving. Let's then get to a voice bank question if we can. Oh, do we have to take a break? We're going to have to take a break. I spoke a little too long. So we're heading to break. Justin and I are happy to play your recorded voice questions, of course, but we love talking to you live. We take live calls all the time. Our number never changes and it never closes. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHARTS. Investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 888 99Chart. 888 99Chart. We're going to talk to Gene in North Carolina. Hi, Gene. Hey, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for making it. General, I have a general question about long-term investing in the index, um, sure. the stock market index. 
Sure. So, you know, we hear in general these phrases that, let's say, over um, 20 or 30 years, long term, if you hold the index, there's a tendency for the, the, the wealth to go up. That yes. you that the the stock market goes up. There's a, there's an upward bias in general long term. Is Correct. that true? Let's say we use the S and P 500 as a proxy for the U.S. stock market. Okay. Is that true for the U.S. stock market only, or is it true for also other developed countries like the FTSE 100 in England, uh, UK, or the Nikkei? I think the 225 in Japan. Well, if you're talking about those two countries, first world countries, the tendency is, is the answer would be yes. Okay. In other countries, emerging markets, it's much more volatile. So you can't, it's not nearly as durable. The U.S. market is the, you know, has been around for quite some time. And so we have a lot of data points over many decades. So we can point to that as saying, well, you know, this is what it was. The bias is about 9 to 11% average annual return. But remember, Gene, that also includes dividends, okay, reinvested dividends. And that represents probably 3 3.5% of that 9 to 10%, okay? But any, there's, you, you would be very hard-pressed to pick any 10-year period going back 120, 130 years and not find that the market didn't go up 10% a year. Now, there are periods that it didn't, but they're rare. They're very rare. So, yes, it has an upward bias. You can buy the indexes and just hold on to it, and you'll do quite well. Now, the trick is, is when you get closer to retirement, are you, in a, are you in a bear market at the time and you need to start using the money just as the market collapsed on you? You know, that's, that's a difficult decision. But, you know, you can manage that decision. And you have to realize that, you know, the market, just, everybody thinks the indexes never change. They change all the time. They change all the time. Uh, the S&P 500, just, they add companies and take out companies all the time. It's, it's not managed. It's just that companies go bankrupt. They get purchased. They delist themselves or get delisted. And so they keep adding companies. The Dow is much slower, but that also changes over time. All of them do. So the, the, their effort is to put quality companies in these indexes, which helps, you know, the indexes go up. I hope that's a good enough answer for you. Appreciate the call. Really do. Okay, let's keep moving. Let's go to a voice bank question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Nick from California. I'm looking at Cummins Motor CMI as a potential purchase with the fossil fuels being banned in California, if they do. Looking at battery-powered and also hydrogen fuel cell trucks, I don't think battery will work for commercial trucks, but hydrogen seems to be a viable alternative. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on Cummins as a potential purchase as a play on hydrogen fuel cell, possibly. Thanks. Well, hydrogen fuel cells has been promised a long time, and it, it, it they, they are bigger. They take they have to be trucks can use that, but I don't think the technology is good enough yet. Uh, that's what I think. I think battery technology might move faster and therefore be more of a possibility for the trucks. 
But remember, the long-haul trucks, those, those things take powerful engines, and that's what Cummings does. Manufactures diesel, natural gas engines, electric power generation systems, engine-related products. So it's a really good company, $35 billion company, going to make $19.71 next year. It's a $250 stock. So it's around a market PE, an average PE, what, 15, 16, somewhere? That's average. Sales have been going up in recent quarters, which is positive. Uh, and it's also sensitive to the economic cycle. So if we really do go into recession, this stock will get hurt. These are the kind of stocks that work best when you when when the, when a recession hits, you buy them when they're cheap. But Cummins is a very good company. Has been for many years. Twenty six percent return on equity. You know, it's just a good solid company. Um, I don't know if I buy it because of the fuel cell necessarily, but you know that's a possibility. But I think that's still pretty far in the future. I think. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Good question. My trivia question today, Tuesday. So let's talk about history. When it comes to stock market shocks, the assassination of U.S. President John F. Kennedy ranks high in the Wall Street history. So as we go to a break, here's my trivia question. Can you name three stocks that caused bigger one-day market drops than the Kennedy assassination? Three shocks, not stocks. Can you name three shocks that caused bigger one-day market drops than the Kennedy assassination. I can name two off the top of my head. I don't know if I get three. Well, maybe. I will supply the answer right after the break. My Invest Talk phone lines are always open, so give me a call. We love taking live calls. 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 chart. Okay, it's Trivia Tuesday, everybody. So let's talk about history a little bit. And I gave you a, I gave you the question before the break. Can you name three shocks that caused bigger one-day market drops than the Canadian assassination? Now, we're talking about shocks of the market. Something happened that was shocking. Okay. Kennedy is shot, you know, and killed in Dallas and Texas on November 22nd, 1963. And a couple of years ago, I visited the, the place where he shot. And there's a, you know, there, there's a little museum there. It's really interesting. If you ever get there to Dallas, it's, it's interesting. So it might take a look. Thousands of workers on Wall Street were stunned by the announcement, which was slowly transmitted. Remember, we didn't have internet, instant messaging, and all that crap. We had teletype machines, one character at a time. So it took a little while for it to get around, you know, to radio and television and everything else. But the market fell pretty, well, in our terms today, maybe not so much. But back then, that was pretty, it was a pretty, uh, pretty big fall of about 2.8% because of the announcement. And the market was closed 40 minutes after the announcement, after the, everybody knew about it. One of the reasons is because no one knew if that was, that was a, remember, we were in a cold war with Russia, and was this just a, 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 the first shot across the bows of a war starting? You know, there was all that fear that was there. Okay, so that's, you know, that was, uh, that was why it's closed more than just the fall. Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis fell 2.7% October 10th, 1962. Richard Nixon's resignation, 1.3%. President Ronald Reagan's attempted assassination, 1 to 1.2%. That was 1981. So Pearl Harbor, okay, well, what, what was the larger one-day events between Pearl Harbor, 9-11, and the Lehman Brothers' bankruptcy? You know? So those are the type of events we're talking about. Now, the, in 1987, what was it, uh, the 18th of September or October? No, it was October. Yeah, remember the market crashed, the S&P crashed like 20%? But that wasn't a shock event. That's just market crash. I don't think there was, you know, there was any shocking event that caused it. So it can crash quite hard in one day, and that's that's one of the worst. Of course, then you got the Great Depression, 19, what, to 1919, 1920, 1929, 1929 after the Roaring Twenties, big crash. Anyways, those are some of the events, okay? Jennifer, San Jose. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. 
thanks for taking my call, Steve. I just want to talk a little bit about the financial sector. I am looking to increase my exposure to financial sectors, and I'm kind of wondering what what to avoid, like read or you know anything like that. And also curious about you think about KBWR. Okay. Yeah, I kind of the I kind of like the banking sector. I'd rather be in the regional banking sector, decent sized regional banks than and this this uh, KBWR you're asking about Invesco, KBW Regional Bank ETF. It's ETF seeing performance corresponding to the KBW Nasdaq Regional Banking Index. I kind of like it. It it's held up pretty well. Um, I like the regional banks. Now, earlier, a call came in earlier about a specific regional banks, and you probably know, you all probably know by now that I, of course, would prefer a stock portfolio as opposed to a portfolio of ETFs or indexes, but that's me. And, you know, I manage it much better than most people have time to do the managing. So I don't have a problem with this particular ETF because I like where it is and I kind of like the timing. I like the timing because I think we are closer to the Fed stop raising rates than we are at the beginning. I don't think that, you know, I, I can't, you know, no one's been be able to predict when they're going to stop, but I think they're getting close. Uh, I still think they're going to keep raising rates. And I think all the whole market thinks they're going to keep raising rates, but I think that's built into the price of these regional banks right now. That's kind of why I like them. Now, we are probably going to go into recession. I think we are next year. Now, we already were technically in a recession this year, but, it, you know, it was very short-lived. Um, I think we have very possible to go into one next year. Will, th- will that hurt the regional banks? Well, it would probably affect them, but I don't think it's going to affect them, you know, tremendously. And they most of them pay very nice dividends. Now, this ETF pays a 2.2% dividend, which is kind of on the small side for me. But I do like it. Jennifer, thank you for the call. KBWR. Now let's go to Nick and Hayward. Wants to talk about Tesla. Hi, Nick. Yeah, hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call and for the great show. Thank you. Uh, I own I own few Tesla. At a, you know, of course, I paid higher price a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to buy a few more. So, mm-hmm. what would be a good price to pay for it? Can you please uh, uh, mm-hmm. let me know? Thank you. Sure. I'll try to pick a price that looks like – all I can do is look at a chart and say it looks like it has support about this price. And that means I'm looking back in history and saying, well, when it went at this price, it kind of held and jumped up. So if this is a good support. That's how we know it's support. Uh, Tesla, of course, manufactured high-performance fully electric vehicles. Everybody knows that. Everybody also knows that they're really high-priced stock, $169. They're going to make $5.82 uh, a share next year which means that their P.E. is finally getting reasonable 30, 40 range, which is still very high for an auto company. But but for them, that's a low for them, right? Low P.E. 45 is their low P.E. Um, their return equity is very good at 29%. Sales, sales growth is still very strong. Uh, why is the stock weakening? Because they're getting pretty stiff competition coming in. Uh, and it is a cyclical stock, and... There's concern that the economic cycle might be weakening going into next year. So where can you pick this stock up that might be a great price for it? 
To find that, you have to go to a weekly chart. You got to go way back to 2020. And I'm going to tell you it's around $135 to $140 a share. It's at $169 now. There's good support in that area for this company. Good support. And then you have to go all the way down to about $60 a share to find the next support line. But I don't think it's going there. I think it could go to the 135, 140 area, you know, maybe 150, somewhere in there. So I, that would be a good support. I'd wait till it stops falling because it's still falling right now. Nick, thanks for the call. Tesla, TSLA is the symbol, everybody. My focus point concerns the story behind the question. Do rising interest rates make bond ladders and ETFs more appealing? Bond ladder, ETFs more appealing. You know what a bond ladder is? Well, if not, let's describe it real quick. A bond ladder uh, is, is, is a buying a group of bonds in varying maturity dates. Okay, so you buy a bond mature in a year, another bond mature in two years, three years, four years, five years, and you, the ladder is the, the rungs of the ladder are the years going out. When interest rates are falling, you want a short ladder with not too long a dates going out. When interest rates are rising, you want to stretch the ladder out because you're trying, even though the bond values go down when interest rates rise, the yield goes up. The yields are going up and up and up and up. So you're trying to capture the years, yield, a higher yield as many years as possible. So that's what a bond ladder does. Now, buying a bond ladder ETF, and this makes it a little bit more complicated, more complicated. Buying bond Bond ETS or bond funds, mutual funds, is more diff is not more difficult, more complicated than just buying individual bonds and building your own ladder. Problem with individual bonds building your own ladder, you have to have access to the bonds and know what to buy. You know, you got to have more knowledge, and you don't want to buy junk bonds. You want quality bonds. You got all these other factors you got to consider. Buying a bond ladder ETF. Uh, uh, they're trying to capture the highest rate, doing the same thing. They're building a bond ladder, trying to capture as much yield as possible. But as the interest rates go up, bond values go down. So the ETF value goes down. So is it suitable for some people? I'm going to say probably. I think it's suitable for people who want to try to get higher yields and get income as part of a portfolio, an income portfolio. I don't have a problem with that. But uh, it's not for me because I like to buy the individual bonds. But for the average person who doesn't know how to get those bonds and doesn't get offered good bonds and doesn't, you know, doesn't know how to build a, a bond ladder, maybe in an ETF, bond ladder ETF is a solution for you. So, you know, we can talk about it. You can call our office. We'll discuss it with you. We have no problem with that. So uh, we are moving pretty steady pace here um, over this. The year is almost up. We don't have too many more weeks left in the year. We're in the last quarter of the year. The stock market is still presenting what I call a changing market dynamics or lots of volatility. And if you're serious about your financial future, you have to deal with this. Deal with, and You're always going to have to deal with volatility. Sometimes it's more pronounced and you're going to deal with bear markets where, where we're in now. 
Sometimes it lasts a year, two years, sometimes three years, sometimes longer, but usually not more than a couple of years. And we're into this one pretty much a year, right? So how do you handle that? You need to update your strategies how you handle that. You need to look what you're doing. Besides, just you know, evaluate the risks that you're taking and the risks that you want to take. If you don't know how to do that, that's what we can help you with. We meaning Klein Pavlis and Peasley Financial, Justin Klein and myself, Steve Peasley, own the company, manage it. And we're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, between San Diego and L.A. counties. Uh, and we're a little bit different. I'll remind you that we have a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success, and we like to implement that philosophy, one with unbiased guidance, another with parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for ourselves or do our clients in the portfolios that we have. We have a number of five portfolios, and they go from very low risk to pretty high risk, depending on your risk, personal risk tolerance. What do you want to do? We also give free portfolio review assessments. That's pretty common. We can do it via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings. If you send us a message to investtalk.com, we will set up a, a meeting with you. And you'll be able to talk to Justin directly. If I'm available, I'll be, talk, be able to talk to you. I think after speaking with us for about 10 minutes, you will see a difference. We, we, we're not pushy. We're not trying to sell you products. We're not trying to convince you of anything. We're just trying to help. And we really do want to help you. We will help you. You don't have to become a client. We would love you to be a client. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. We're in this business to have clients. But if that's not suitable and you don't want that, we'll help you. We'll help guide you. The sooner to contact us, the sooner you do that, the sooner you can get some help. Next, we'll fit in another caller question in 30 seconds. So hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I wanted to get your opinion on Dollar General. And now would be a good time to buy. Just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks. I think it's not because it's already had a really great run up. Dollar General Corporation operates 18,190 stores in 47 states. They plan on opening about 1,100 more stores. I mean, they're growing fast. Their earnings are growing fast. Their sales are growing about 4 to 10%. I mean, it's a great company, solid company. But the stock price has reflected nothing but moving up over time. And, you know, here it is at $257 a share now, and that's like a 20-something PE for a discount store. I think that's quite high. So I think it's I think you're late to the game. It needs to have a good, solid pullback before I would consider it. And I would consider that to be around the $200 area. Good, solid pullback. Okay? So I wouldn't be a buyer of it now. Good company, though. Put it on, Keep it on your watch list. Watch it. See where it goes. No data. No economic data out today, but we're going to have a bunch of it tomorrow. We'll have the durable goods numbers tomorrow, PMI numbers, both manufacturing and services, new home sales tomorrow. So tomorrow, um, you know, we have a pretty good, pretty good jump of data coming in. Okay? Um, 
I want to talk about, you know, a divided Congress before the end of the show, if we can squeeze this in. Um, we have a Republicans going to control the House and the Democrats controlling the Senate. And that usually means confrontation. That usually means not a lot getting done. And that the stock market likes. They don't like the government being one way or another, and they can do whatever they want, the right or the left. They want, you know, slow, deliberate moves or no moves at all so they can evaluate what's going on on a longer-term basis. And so I don't think, usually after a divided Congress is voted in, the stock market for the first year does well, usually. Okay, but over the next two years, it's going to be kind of, you know, sideways movement, not necessarily just up. So I don't think you can expect the market just to be good or bad just because we have a divided Congress. I do think you should look for an upward bias. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our goal continues after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hey, I received email from the company I work for asking me to enroll in a growing together plan, saying that I can invest twenty-five to five hundred dollars per month. Investment will be used to acquire notional units for each three units purchased. I will receive one free, and the company will guarantee that I will receive back what I put in, so I cannot lose money. Can I have your opinion on that? Thank you so much. Bye. Generally, those are pretty good plans. Uh, uh, you know, the only risk you're taking is they guarantee no loss, but that's only as strong as the company is. If there's really small and tiny company and weak financially, well, them guarantee you anything is uh, suspect, right? Because the company may not survive. But generally, those are pretty good plans, and I would enroll in them. I would. You know, if I ever had that offered to me, never had, but I, I, I think it's a good thing to do. Any way you can maximize your retirement savings and build build money, I would do it. But don't put everything in there. I'll also have an IRA, Roth IRA. You know, if if I don't, it didn't sound like they if they had a four hundred one k. I don't know. That would be a good plan because in those things you own the money and you don't care if the company goes under. Because it's yours, and I don't know how they structured what they're offering you. I'd have to take a look at a closer look. But generally, they're pretty good plans, so I kind of like them. Okay, uh, the last survey of retired persons age 65 to 74. How much money do you think they have? 65 to 74, $426,000. 75 years older and up, it goes down to 357000 Now, that's... That's the uh, average. The median is much lower. 
median. Averages, because they're taking into consideration very wealthy people, right, and people not so wealthy. Whereas the median is, well, this is how much in the middle of that whole gamut of from zero to however million millions in the middle. Uh, median. So uh, for the younger group, 65, 74, it's 164,000. Far different from 426,000. And for over 75, 83,000. Way different than 357,000. One of the reasons is because you're using the money, right? You're using it. But, you know, numbers go down when you start using the money. Anyways. Um, the average net worth of everybody in the United States, 1.2 million between the age of 65 and 74, and 958,000 between 75 years and up. That's higher than I expected because now they're taking consideration property and other things you might own. So I thought that was, I thought those, that number was pretty impressive. I, I kind of enjoyed that number. Now, Excess savings from COVID is over. Inflation has eaten it up. People have been spending it. We don't have, and, and, you know, that rise of interest rates when you, eats all that up, right? It's eaten it up. So we don't have that extra money that is out there anymore. During the, the, the depths of COVID, the savings rate of that one year that we shut down was 33%. People are saving money like crazy. Now we're at near all-time lows at 3.1%. So excess disposable income is pretty much gone. No longer there. So what does that mean? Well, that means, you know, we're going to be on, we, the stock market, us, you and me individually, we're on our own. We're not going to get free money from the government. It's going to, it's kind of, COVID stuff has disappeared. And, of course, they're still spending a ton of money out of Washington. And now who knows if that's good, bad, or different, but we, you know, they're going to spend a lot of money. You cannot, I don't care who's in charge, that Washington spends money. That's what they do. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein, I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads, Invest Talk. You can get your download anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and we're at 47 million downloads, and we want to thank you for that. Thank you very much. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes if you do download it from there. It helps spread the word of Invest Talk, and we'd like everybody to hear about it. We really do. Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your holiday break, everybody. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening. 
And your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 